In the Wild West world of podcasting, there is one podcast that is authentic and genuine and continues to stand tall in its originality. Based on a passion for his guests, their work, and his love of podcasting, Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast get amazing, diverse, unique guests found nowhere else. The variety and quality are endless. There is something for everyone. Derek Thomas is the hero you deserve. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector. Welcome to Monday Morning Critic Podcast. Here is Derek Thomas. I hear the train a-coming, it's rolling around a bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. I'm stuck in Folsom Prison, and time keeps dragging on. But that train keeps rolling on down the sand and Robert Dubois. He's in prison for putting Superman in the ICU with a kryptonite bullet. I'm not joining your suicide squad. We'll see. My court date is coming up. And Miss Waller said maybe you could help me out. You're stretching in my door! Everyone stand down. Miss Waller, I don't... Stand down! I wouldn't take such extreme measures if this mission weren't more important than you could possibly imagine. Are you in... Out. Good. Let's meet your team. It's okay, I'm not okay. Each member has chosen for his or her own completely unique set of abilities. I need to feel the raindrops on my hand. On my hand. Hey guys, sorry I'm late. Had to go number two. Good to know. Is this thing a dog? A dog? What kind of dog do you think it is, mate? I'm gonna go with Afghan Hound. Oh. He's harmless. I mean, he's not harmless. He's killed 27 children, but, you know. Your mission is to destroy every trace of something known only as Project Starfish. Any questions? Starfish is a slang term for a butthole. Think there's any connection? No. get it. This is suicide. Well, that's kind of our thing. I'm a superhero! That's my dad. When he get you out of real life? I'm going to get you out of here alone. What do you got? Bird. Now, now it. Stay off the comp. Lynn Ash is a wonderful actor who absolutely stole the show in The Suicide Squad. Lynn, I am very fortunate to have you on the podcast today. Welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, Lynn. So, I, you know, I'm look, as with all my guests, I look at people's lives. I try to connect dots. I try to look at where people started to where they currently are now on my podcast. So I try to make that timeline um you know, connect the dots there. So born in Georgia, how long are you in Georgia for, Lynn? I have lived in Georgia most of my life. I lived in, um, I went to grad school in North Carolina, so I was there for a couple of years. And then I lived in Seattle for about six months. But other than that, I've lived in Georgia most of my life. Yeah, and I have to say, I've been in both Georgia and Seattle covering Comic-Cons. Uh, Georgia is infinitely much better than... Uh, I shouldn't say that because then it sounds like I'm tearing apart the poor people in Seattle. I, I just, my point is, I just loved Georgia when I was there. No, oh, it's just so hot. That's my only, my only complaint. <laughs> so, what, so speaking of that, what do the temperatures get up to? So right now, it is like, the temperature isn't bad, but the humidity is like, it's like choking. So we were outside with my daughter and our dogs, and it's like choking. Is it like that in, in Georgia? Is it, or is it just yeah. simply yes. hot? Sometimes you walk outside and you feel like you're breathing underwater or attempting to. Uh, so sometimes it's it's very difficult. So we've, we've had a lot of humidity the last couple of of weeks so yeah yeah and and, and the winters I, I would imagine are, are somewhat 
um, not want to say normal, but but they must be. You know, the winter winter because I live in Massachusetts. Our winters can be a little bit brutal. Uh, Georgia, the same kind of thing. Oh, it's very mild here. Um, we rarely get snow at all. In fact, if we get a snow of four inches, it's woohoo snow day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is such a it's a, such a wonderful place. Uh, so, what kind of kid were you in high school? Right, were you the? And I, I've been watching a load of '80s movies lately, and I always kind of think about <laughs> what kind of kids people have been. You know, the, the quote unquote jock, the person in drama class. The per- so, what kind of person were you? Were you in? Were you a drama kid? Were you? Did you not know who you were yet? I mean, most of us, I guess, in high school don't know what we want to be. But <laughs> talk about your, your early life. Well, um, I was kind of nerdy and kind of artsy. So uh, I don't know. I guess that makes me geeky if you put that <laughs> together. Um, I was very shy. I, I always knew I wanted to be an actor, but I was too shy to audition for the drama productions i actually went to one of them and i was like i was standing outside and i got physically sick i had to leave before they ever called my name and uh, the drama teacher just happened to be an english teacher as well and i was in one of her english classes and um, we had to do a little skit well i was a straight a student so it's like okay I'm not going to be show shyness here. I'm going to go for it because I want an A on this project. <laughs> and she called me in after the class and she goes, why aren't you on my drama and debate team? <laughs> and she actually just cast me in a play right then and there um, that, that we were going to do a few months later. I didn't even audition for it. Uh, and then after I had only been in that one little one act and then one play, she nominated me for, uh, in Georgia, we have a thing called Governor's Honors Program. Yep. It's yeah. where they get the, the top 30 of each field. And basically you go to a, spend a summer study studying your craft and hanging out with the other GHP kids. And so uh, even though I'd only done two plays, uh, they accepted me and just kind of went on from there. But, but yeah, I was, I was one of the straight A nerdy types and I got the outstanding creative student for the year though for my whole high school <laughs> nah, that's that's, a, that's impressive and, and, and you know speaking of that Lynn how do you overcome that shyness right so is it is it repetition is it just kind of continuing to do what you're doing because you did mention there's that shyness you know or, or temporarily was that shyness how, how do you get over that do you remember how you you conquered that Yeah, I mean, very in the beginning, public speaking was just like torture, and I would my face would turn red, and I couldn't breathe right. And then I started just trying to think of talking to people like they were my friends, and um, you you would be surprised. Most actors are actually introverts. Uh, you would think it would be the opposite, mm. but but we really are. I mean, all the ones that, that I've spoken to anyway, uh, in depth. Um, but yes, you get to the point where you just realize I'm having a conversation. Yeah. And yeah. and that makes a difference. And then, of course, a- after performing, you're you're not yourself. You're someone else speaking words that someone else has written. And that's much easier. But once you have conquered that, then it's easier to do the public speaking part. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, early in, in, in what you were talking, you mentioned the words um, like nerd and geek. And it's funny because those words have come a, such a long way because, you know, growing up, oh, those words were not really affectionate terms. But in 20, right. 2021, there is no higher honor to be called a geek and a nerd. Like if you sat outside a theater and, and told people leaving the Suicide Squad, they were they were geeks and nerds. They'd be like, thank you. Like, I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it, it's really funny how, how, how that works up. But, you know, you mentioned that and, you know, you end up in Wake Forest and that was your time in North Carolina, right? Winston-Salem. Right. Winston-Salem, yes. Uh, so, so what's the most, I mean, you're a Shakespearean trained actor. We'll talk a little about that. But what did you find helped you the most as an actor? Right? But creativity, clearly not something you learned somewhere. It's always been, I think, within you. Um, maybe it got brought out in different stages. Um, but but talk to me about that. What's the difference maker here? Right? Because it's an honor to go to that school. Um, you, you have the ability. Is there a moment where something clicks or, or takes you to that next level in where you, you finally realize, you know something? Um, I, I'm. And I know you're not arrogant, but you know what? I'm pretty good at this. 
Uh, it's, 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 it's weird because I have known from my earliest memories, which are around age three, four, that I was supposed to be an actor and I was supposed to be a writer. Those were two things that I've always known. And I can't explain why. I do remember once I had already picked out my stage name and everything, and I was going to, you know, be this this great actress. You know, as shy as I was, I couldn't talk to anybody, but I wanted to be on on films and everything. And I remember getting so upset because someone else had used my stage name, and it made me angry. And her name was Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> that's what, that was the name that I had picked out. I was going to be Debbie Reynolds. That is funny. That is funny. Uh, but but is 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 there? I mean, so collectively, do you find that you find yourself at Wake Forest? Is that kind of is that the big moment for you? Uh, well, it was the, the first was just going to undergrad at uh, in in Georgia. Yeah. Uh, I I had wanted to go to Northwestern University, and um, my parents were like, uh, out of state tuition, you know, and I was offered. I had I hadn't decided at that moment if I was going to go towards writing or if I was going to go towards drama. So the deciding factor of going into drama was which one offered me the best scholarship. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it, it, I was offered without even applying, I was offered to the local college, which actually turns out to be, uh, the top program drama program in Georgia. Now, um, I was offered a scholarship. And so for two years and my parents said, well, okay, if you do this for two years, if you take the scholarship, then you can go to Northwestern for your last two years. I'm like, yes. <laughs> and then they built a house on the lake while I was in uh, college and they ran out of money and they were like, uh, you can go anywhere you want in the state of Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> so I stayed where I was. Um, and then I, I, again, when I went to Wake Forest, I was blessed. I, I got a full assistantship to go there and, um, and even a, got a grant to study in Stratford one summer. So that was Wake Forest was when I discovered my love of Shakespeare. Yeah. And it's amazing. You know, I wonder if there's people when they're watching, you know, we'll just, we'll just take the, you have a very impressive filmography, but we'll just take the suicide squad. Like, I wonder if when people are watching it, if they, if they realize they're watching a Shakespearean trained actor, right? Like, like, because it's like, it's, you know, I, I think about that. And one of my favorite shows of all time is Banshee. And there's a Shakespearean, his name is Matthew rock. I think his name It's R A U C H. He's a Shakespearean trained actor on that show. And he probably had the least amount of words, which is ironic. And I kind of get that same feeling with you right a Shakespearean trained actor um was that a difficult because uh, to me I, it, it, I don't think I could ever be an actor I just I just couldn't I couldn't memorize lines and I'll tell you what I couldn't do I definitely couldn't do theater on a bet and I definitely could not be Shakespearean trained it's just there's too much dialogue the dialogue <laughs> is difficult to so w- what are the challenges and, and, and have you do you feel like being a Shakespearean trained actor has helped you throughout your career uh, I think it it, it it helps it during your career, but it, it helps just generally in life. It's one of the things that I find most interesting about Shakespeare is that um, the stories are universal. The language may be structured a little differently than what we're accustomed to, but the feelings, the the interactions, the emotion, the poetry, it's, it, it's all very universal and can be ap- applicable to where we are right now mm-hmm. and what's going on in the world. Um, and I think it just kind of helps connect the dots um, to life in general. Um, just one of those little things like an accessory. Yeah. Go, okay. Now I feel like this. So. Yeah. You know, in, in, in reading your website, which I, which I love going through, um, it mentioned that early on, you know, you try to, you know, neutralize is a good word. I think you put um, your Southern accent. Did you feel like um, people were going to judge you, Lynn? Um, you know, based on the Southern draw, based on, you know, what, what the, they were, they would focus more on the accent and not the words themselves. Do you feel like there's a little bit of a, uh, a judgment factor when people hear somebody is, is that, was that the thought that that's going through your head? Why, why explain that? Well, you have to remember, I'm a little bit older probably than you, um, but remember Holly Hunter, Holly Hunter is a brilliant 
actress. Great actress. But she has a very strong Southern dialect. And she was, when she was in her, her heyday in the 80s, 90s, um, she was given a lot of grief about it. People didn't like her accent. And I think it it was very telling when she won her Oscar, her first Oscar. I don't know if she's won more than one, but her first Oscar was for the piano. I was just going to say that, yeah. And she never spoke a word. Mm. Her character was mute. That's right. Um, That's right, yeah. And it just, that was one of the things that I was like, okay, if they're not judging her, if they're judging her simply on the base of her acting and not her speaking, all of a sudden everyone loves her. She's everyone's darling. But there was a lot of criticism, um, especially things have changed. But 40 years ago, 30 years ago, um, it was very common belief that Southerners were stupid. (laughs) No, no, I get that. No, and exact, that's exactly what, what I thought by going through that. And, and, and I, I think we're close to age because, I mean, I think you're mentioning a lot of the things, you know, I, I'm close to 50. So, um, you know, I, I remember a lot of the things you're talking about. And I do believe that, like, you know, if you had a southern accent in a movie, you were playing the gas station attendant. You were playing exactly. the, sh- the sheriff that didn't know any difference. Yeah, I absolutely get that. And people would judge right. you on it completely unfairly. Absolutely. But things have changed. Things are a lot more inclusive now. So, you know, Southerners, women, people of color, all of these different characteristics that used to be pushed down um, are now being more widely accepted as we're coming to realize that we are all one. (laughs) Yeah. No, that's, so, that, that's really well said. So, so let me ask you, speaking of, you know, movies and, and actors, um, and this is a question you've gotten, I'm sure, before, but are, is there a specific movie or actor or actors or movies that have really influenced your passion and love for acting? Because I always feel like nobody just decides, you know what, I want to be an actor. I always feel like it's fueled by something or somebody. Um, for you, what was that, Lynn? Oh, my gosh. There are so many I can't even begin to st- Start. Um, I am inspired by actors who, who there are some people when, when they perform, you can just tell by the look in their eyes, by their, the, the, the micro expressions on their face, that they truly believe what they are saying. They're not putting on a character. Um, and that those are the actors that inspire me the most. I mean, the first one that popped into my head just now was Judy Dench. I don't know how familiar you are with her work. Of course. She is brilliant. In fact, uh, and, and uh, shoot, a lot of the, the actors that I'm about to name are all British and they all did Shakespeare. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that's about. Um, But maybe it was because I, when I was at wake, my, theater professor was British and he did, did specialize in Shakespeare, but there was a different type of acting style from that I'd noticed from American acting teachers. And it's not to put, you know, so one is better than the other, but I did notice that British acting styles tend to put more of their focus and their emphasis on the ensemble work, um, that the whole telling of the story and the relationships between these people intermingling are the most important. And there tends to be a tendency, especially with untrained American actors, to let everything be about me. I'm the star. I want it to be about me. I want to, you know, my part's the most important. And while an individual can think that their part is the the most important, if that helps them lift it to what it needs to be, I'm I'm just getting too weight esoteric here, aren't I? No, no, I I love this stuff. Absolutely. Um, It just tends to be more me generated rather than us generated. Um, And that's one of the things I like so much about my training in, 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 theater is that the ensemble work to me is the most important thing. So I don't mind playing a flunky or a one line or a no line part. It has never bothered me. I just wanted to do the best at what I to be the best that I could be while doing it. And and you're so right because I I don't want to see a movie that somebody doesn't like that. that People aren't all in on the philosophy of us. 
right? If yeah. you're if if people are in on me, that's not really a movie I want to see or a movie that I that people are going to want to see in general, right? People are going to want to see the movie that everybody's invested in. Right. You know, that makes sense to me. Yeah, and the the, the total story, that's the most important thing is telling the story. Um, creating that world. And I have to believe uh, for you, Lynn, a, 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 on the piggyback of the other question I just asked you, is that uh, the scene in Wild Oats with Jessica Lange and Shirley MacLaine was, was pretty was pretty sobering as far as, whoa, I mean, this is this is pretty impressive. I'm, I'm, I'm in a scene with some, some pretty iconic people here. I was so starstruck. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, that was my first audition that I was going to be uh, that I had auditioned for a scene with Oscar winners, not just one, but two. And, <laughs> no, uh, no pressure there. <laughs> and I remember submitting my audition and they didn't tell me, I mean, they didn't make a decision from, it seemed like months. It was probably only about three or four weeks, but it seemed like forever. And I kept trying to manifest it in my head every night. Cast me, cast me, cast me. <laughs> uh, and I got the part. I was just gobsmacked. Um, but when I got there, these they were so gracious and so lovely. And I it, that was the moment that I realized stars are just people. They're just like us. They're actors doing their craft. Um, and they were just, I mean, Jessica Lang said, come over here. Let's sit on the couch and, and run our lines together. I'm like, oh, wow. Jesus. Um, and we went to her first rehearsal. I did my first rehearsal with, with Shirley. And she actually said this. She was like, you're great. You're really, really great. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. How is this happening? So, and you talk about the philosophy of us. These two people easily could have been about me, and they weren't. Right. right? Let me tell you one of the things that I have so much respect for them. Oh, it's it, I can't. We could do a whole podcast on how much respect I have for these two women. <laughs> but uh, when you're when you're doing film, you you do they they have different camera shots. So you'll do like the whole group, and then you'll do all of the the cameras on Jessica, and then you'll do all of the cameras on Shirley, and then you do the turnaround, which means you know the cameras on me, and they're not in the scene at that moment. Lot, most stars will. Uh, many stars, not most, I would say, but they'll let their stand-ins go and sit on the couch for me to do my scene, my lines towards. You know, they're tired. It's hot. We were working in Louisiana. It was 96 degrees. We were in a house with closed windows, and they have to turn the air conditioning off when it's when it's uh, when the camera's running, so that you won't hear that sound. And both of their stand-ins were there waiting to be seated on the couch for me to do my part. And they chose to do the scene with me anyway. Wow. I, I, I tear up a little bit when I think about that, because that was such an honor and it was a big deal. And I, I recognized it and had a lot of appreciation for it in the moment. So, yeah. Yeah. They could have easily been able to and said, you know what, let's let, let the stand and do it. And for them to be in that scene, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. That. Uh, and just shows their, their dedication to the craft and to the film and the story. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to touch upon some other things I was rewatching today, knowing we were going to speak, uh, you had a fun little part in stranger things that I thought was pretty cool. (laughs) Yes. It's just a one little liner, one liner, a great, a great, a great Ghostbusters line. You know, it was great. You know, the exterminators, right? Right. Oh, they're little. And and there actually is a a, a reference to it. I, I was watching YouTube videos where they, they were talking about them looking like exterminators. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I got to say, Office Christmas Party is a very underrated comedy. It's a it's a fun fun movie. That was a fun fun movie, and it was. And one of the things about that one is, I was hired for one day with zero lines. I was not supposed to speak in that. They hired me for one day, and then they, uh, when I was in my wardrobe fitting, they said, "Oh, we need to bring you in and and, and a little extra, put you in these scenes so that it'll establish your character." And I'm like, "Okay." And we filmed the first day, didn't get to my scene. Uh, we they put me back on the schedule. Filmed the second day, didn't get to my scene, and then they kept adding the. the 
these writers were brilliant and the directors were brilliant. They would add, they would think of funny little bits and add them in. <laughs> and so, um, like the slide where I slide down the, <laughs> the, the luge thing. Um, I found out that I was doing that about 45 minutes before I did it. Wow. <laughs> I was standing outside with one of the actors, other actors, and I said, we, I saw wardrobe walking towards the set. And I'm like, why are they carrying a copy of my dress? And I look down, I'm still wearing my dress, and there's wardrobe walking towards the the. the studio with my dress in their hands and then I found out why I walked in and, and they said aren't you gonna love doing that I'm like what and they said oh the stunt quarter is gonna talk to you in a minute <laughs> <laughs> that, that that is great and you know in another you know quick part here a quick uh part of your filmography that I want to mention before I uh, jump into the Suicide Squad is I Tanya uh, a really great movie um really gr- really great movie Thank you. I, I enjoyed doing that. And that was another one. I was hired with no lines. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> they added things in. So I, I love that when the stories evolve and then they let me be a part of it and everything. Um, th- there was one other thing that I kind of wanted to tell you that I didn't tell you before when we were talking about. Um, I hope I'm not taking up too much time. No. Um, when we were, you were talking about how it um, you get the courage to be on stage and everything. Right. right. Even though I had always wanted to be an actor, I had such body issues cause I'm built rather strangely, um, that I never wanted to be on film. I wanted to be a stage actor and never be, have, you know, m- me captured on film forever. Uh, and, <sighs> I was looking up something. I was, my legs, lower legs started swelling and I I was looking up online about lymphedema and I found a reference to something called lipedema. And I read all the, everything about it. It was like, Oh my God, that's me. It's basically a a type of your body produces a type of fat that you can't ever lose. Um, And it's usually on the lower half of the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and no amount of dieting can take it away. And as an example, when I was 21, I was in college, I tried to diet everything away. I wound up in the hospital for 10 days. I lost my gallbladder and, uh, and the doctor basically came in and he said, you've got to stop dieting. Cause at that point I weighed like 116 pounds Jesus and I was tiny from the waist up, but I still had 42 inch hips and wore size 14 the 16 genes, right. even at that weight. Um, and he said, I don't know why you're, you're not losing it, but you've got to stop dieting or you're going to die before you're 30. You've mm. got to stop. And so I did, but I was still always very conscientious about that. And I thought, well, nobody's going to want to see me on, on screen. Um, and then in 2010, I was actually diagnosed and I found out it's a fat disorder called lipedema. Mm. And that was the moment that I had a click. Um, I realized that, oh, I was born to look like this. This is genetic. There's nothing I really could have done to stop it. And it was a moment of self-acceptance. And I thought, well, I've always known I was supposed to be an actor. And now I found out I'm supposed to look like this. I guess I'm just supposed to be that character actress with the big butt. Let's go for it. (laughs) (laughs) And that was when it wasn't until then that I got an agent and started working on film. So I've only been doing film for 10 years now, 12, maybe 10. Yeah. But but but, But you've done a lot in that time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I've been very blessed. Very, yeah. I'm very lucky. You know, it's, it's funny that you say that because um, and you talk about courage and, and, and once you knew it was a diagnosis, do you start to kind of, I don't want to say confidence. I mean, that's the wrong word, but do you, do you, are you more sure of yourself? Are you more confident in yourself? I mean, not that they weren't before, but once you understand that this is a diagnosis, this is a thing, that this is something that you can't help. Does that because does that play into your psyche a little bit, Lynn? I think it really definitely does. I mean, one of the things, the biggest things, and the, the the greatest change that came in my trajectory as an actor is self acceptance, knowing what your limitations are, and then trying to make the best of what you've got. 
everybody has something. Absolutely. Whether it be eczema or whether it be a substance abuse problem or a family member with a substance abuse problem or, you know, being hard of hearing or having poor eyesight, everybody has something. There's not one single person who doesn't have something that they're challenged with. And you have to be able to not play victim to that and say, okay, this is the way I am. Now, how can we make the best of it? Mm. And that's just kind of the attitude that I've gone into film with was, all right, I don't look like most of the people out there, but I can do the best with what I've got. And just let it go and accept who I am. And that was when I started having the success. The, The very thing that I thought would prevent me from being cast, it sets me apart from other people. And they were like, oh, yeah, I remember her. She's different. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny that you say that, Lynn, because I feel like it, it does take all types to, to create movies, whether it's personalities or body types or, you know, because I had a guest, I want to say a month ago, she was in The Conjuring, had a big part, um, Eugenie Bondurant, who battled cancer and through chemo, it, cha- it changed the shape of her face. But mm-hmm. it, it, in a way, it, I don't want to say it created opportunity, but it gave her a unique look, right? So, I mean, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not saying that's the case with you, but um, it's so I'm so happy to hear that that confidence was, you know, that you that, that it's instilled in you. You know what I'm saying? Because that had to be like a huge weight off your shoulders. Like, you know, something this is something I cannot help. And, right. you know, um, yeah, that's an awesome story. I really appreciate you sharing that. Well, thank you for letting me share it with you. So, and that brings us to one hell of a movie that I, I always go see. It, 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 that I, I always go see in the theaters. I, I could have watched on HBO Max. I, and there's nothing. I, HBO Max is one of my favorite. You know, um, uh, I don't know what you would call it, app or uh, it's on my it's on my Apple Apple TV. Um, but w- when in doubt, I will always go to the theater. Um, what an opportunity here for you. And, and I got to say, it's you talk about, and I'm just going to hop right into it. Um, it seemed like you, I, I think uh, there's a great picture. I can't remember where I saw it, where, uh, uh, Dave Das, uh, Das Mulchin, as I say his name. Dave, yes. Yes. I want to make sure I pronounce it correctly. So he plays a uh, polka dot man and there's a great picture of him presenting you with a bouquet of roses uh, as a late mother's day. I could not stop laughing at that, but I bring his name up for a variety of reasons and I'm sure we'll touch on him multiple times here. Um, but he had a disorder. I think it was called a Viltigo or I'm probably mispronouncing. That. Uh, oh yes. I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, Vitiligo. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And it gave, it gave him, you know, the, this, these like it's skin disc for those listening, skin discoloration, you mm-hmm. know, where some of your parts of your body are. So he, in a way, was like his own version of, of a polka dot man. And I think, you know, you telling the story that you just did and saying that, you know, everybody's going through something very right. ironic that this man is playing a part based, you know, partially on what he's gone through his whole life. Right. Right. And when you have something different like that, you you feel like everyone is judging you and everyone is not accepting you. Um, And and that was one of the wonderful things. Uh, uh, He is such an amazing actor. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah. And Polka Dot Man, the character, goes through such this beautiful arc of feeling like an outcast because he's different. And, and plus he's gone through all the, the abuse from his mom. Um, and, and I mean, they have him making fun of him in the prison. Hey, will you, you know, you want to be at my kid's birthday party or whatever. And you can just see his shame and not feeling a part of anything. Um, and then he grows into self-acceptance and then he grows into embracing it and going for it, using the thing that he, the very, just like with, with me and my weight and just like with David and his, his little I go, or I'm, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it. I have somebody, I know I have a friend with that same disorder and yet I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, but that embracing it and going forward and saying, wow, this is who I am. Isn't that pretty cool? So he goes through that entire arc and 
And, and when you watch him, uh, Lynn, it's almost like you could tell he's at, I think we talked about this earlier. It's at, a, it's at a level deeper than acting almost, right? Because there's times where he's talking about what you put him through. Great mother, by the way, Lynn, nice job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, um, but, but, but you could see in his eyes that, Maybe we're talking, maybe, and maybe it's just such great acting. I'm convinced of it, but you know, and I'm not going to speak for Dave and what he's gone through in his life, but it does seem like he's coming from a really passionate place. Yeah. You know, um, I wish that I knew him better because I, you know, I never did really got to see work with him on stage. I only met him uh, a couple of times. Um, and um, including the roses time. That was so funny. Yeah. Um, and there's and there's no role quite like the one you played in Polka Dot um, Man's Mother. You know, it's 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 a funny thing because for those listening, you know, she is a, a scientist working at Star Labs. She wants to turn her kids into superheroes. Some of those kids don't make it. Um, and, you know, uh, uh, Dave's character does, Polka Dot Man does, but he he, he does so with a, a, a lot of trauma, right? Be, and that's right. what makes his character so wonderful, right? It's not so much his lethal powers. It's the mm-hmm. trauma of what he goes through. It's his – it's what he – and I'm not so really – if I had to nitpick this movie, which I absolutely love, it would be his the ending, but I'll leave that alone. Um, but I, I don't know. Go ahead. Say anything you want. I'm sorry. I was I was agreeing with you, and then I missed your last sentence. Yeah, and I was like, you know, I was like, I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I was just, I was disappointed with 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 his end. But you know what? Um, that's what keeps uh, DC really special is the fact that uh, this whole movie was, you know, nobody's safe, right? Everyone, there's no superhero that's 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 free from from not falling, and 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 that's certainly with him. But with your character, I, you're going to go the rest of your career being a wonderful actor. But you'll never have anything like this. I mean, I don't think I've I've watched movies since I was I want to say six or seven. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this Lynn, in my whole life. Um, talk about the because the, the audition is amazing, right? The tape it's, it's like surreal. I'll, I'll, I'll let you. This is your story, and I'd rather have you tell it than me blab on. Well, uh, as wonderful as as people, all the compliments that people keep and praise people keep putting on me, I have to say, this is all James Gunn's brilliance. Um, I was just a body on on the camera doing what he wrote. Um, And it it, honestly, it was just, I thought it was a brilliant touch. Um, I mean, who would have thought that? Um, But my audition, I didn't know that it had not been announced yet that Suicide Squad was going to be produced. I mean, I'm sure people in the industry knew it, but it wasn't common knowledge. Uh, and when I received an audition notice from my from the casting director, uh, it was called Untitled WB Project. And I was told it had no lines, and they wanted me to improvise a dance to uh, Kay Flay's Can't Sleep, the song that's used in the club scene. Yeah. And I was like, okay. So uh, I, I went to my little recording place where I, I take my auditions and I did it. And I didn't know what kind of style of dancing they were looking for. And I mean, you know, I'm an, I'm an old bra. There's <laughs> not a uh, So it was like, okay, well, let's do a little bit of this. Let's do a little bit of that. And that worked to my benefit, apparently, because I didn't know I was auditioning for, you know, dozens of people. Um, and then they, they sent me another request a couple of weeks later they wanted me to do it again uh and i did and i miraculously was cast i still didn't know it was suicide squad still had no clue so i did hear a kind of a rumor my my agent let it slip uh what it was after i had been cast i'm like holy wow okay (laughs) um and they scheduled me for a wardrobe fitting now at this time i'm still thinking i've got one little scene where I must be dancing a little bit and no lines and that's it. So I go into the, uh, the wardrobe department and there's Judy on a, what's her last name? Mark, Mark, oh, I'm not going to, is Is something like that. It's, 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 she's got this beautiful name. Um, and (laughs) I looked her up on IMDb and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's done 
she's supposed to costume her for the first Harry Potter and for Captain America and for all these other Marvel and, and DC projects and for Hunger Games. And oh, my goodness, Jesus. whatever I'm in is a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> and I walk in and there's this rack and there's lots of costumes on it. And so I thought they were costumes for everybody's fitting. A lot of people must be coming in for fittings today. <laughs> and no, they started trying them all on me and, you know, making adjustments and pinning. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly, until I, I did not know because I never received a script. They were very, very hush hush about this project because they didn't want any information leaking out. Um, which, you know, is very smart of them because, you know, people would get excited about going, Oh, guess what? <laughs> you know? Um, but I never had a script. I didn't know if my part was important. I did not know how it fit into this whole story. Uh, and, uh, up until a week before it opened, I thought, well, you know what? I might be cut and might not be in it at all. I don't know. You know, I'd held this secret for 18 months at that point. Um, and then I saw that it had been updated in the credits, and I was like, good. I didn't get to see one of the screenings, so I didn't see it until it opened in the theater. Wow. So you saw – So sometimes you're saying – I saw it, and I had no idea that it was even – that 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 Polka Dot's – you know, what role Polka Dot Man's mother was in the story. I had no idea until I saw it like everybody else, and I was like – Wow, James Gunn, you're brilliant. <laughs> so, so, so when you first saw that at the theater, you must have been blown away because there's there's some really iconic scenes with you in them in that movie. Like that when I came out of the movie, that's what I was thinking. I mean, like you know, that you had to be like blown away, right? I was blown away. I mean, I knew that for those those three scenes, I knew that the the the, the first scene they showed me a picture of the still of them uh, of all of the the characters of Flag and and Bloodsport and Ratcatcher and everyone standing in their little pose, and they told me that I was uh, that they were listening to Polka Dot Man story. That's all I knew. Because mm. I had the picture of them and knew that I was listening to Polka Dot Man's story. That's all I knew. And so I would just try to put my face like they had theirs, you know, this expression they had in that picture. And uh, and then, you know, they would raise the, they would put me on different levels to, to get the right height of where everybody, how tall everybody was in comparison to everybody else. Uh, but it was just basically, I wasn't with any other actors. It was just me and the whole crew. And the incredible wardrobe people, and they would tell me to stand somewhere, and I'd say, "Okay," <laughs> and I'd do it. Um, and then for the dancing scene, it was the same thing. I was I was the only one there. There was I worked with no other actors, you know. But that was the night that I did get to meet David. Um, but yeah, they would show me the film of of what the person that person was dancing like, and they say, "Okay, try to copy that, try to mimic that." I'm like, "Okay," so. I went on. I should add at this point, kudos to my orthopedist who gave me cortisone shots <laughs> ten days before because I went to him going, my knees have to work better. Please help me. Is is there is there one character whether you know whether it's the dance or the club scene that you enjoyed or, or wh- whether it's a scene in the jungle? Is there one character that you enjoyed uh, mimicking more than the rest? Is there one that really you not that you you know that you like more than the rest, but the one that you enjoyed? you know, mimicking more than the rest? Uh, mostly just that the dancers and, and, and then the Starro thing was, were my favorites. Um, <laughs> as far as the others, I was like, some of those costumes were really uncomfortable because they were make, making replicas to fit me of their costumes. And it's like, I, I have a whole lot more respect for, for Bloodsport and, and Idris Elba and John Cena as Peacemaker. Those were not comfy costumes. They weren't. <laughs> oh, so so when we see you in the jungle and, and, and Polka Dot Man is looking back and he sees you, and those are all customized. Oh, that's right. Outfit. They're all 12 outfits. Yeah. Yes. They, they, they actually made those costumes, replicas of those costumes to fit my measurements. So I was wearing exactly what they were wearing. 
and the same materials and everything. And some of them were very uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, I have to say, in the geekiest nerd, we talk about nerd and geek. We brought that up earlier. <laughs> oh boy, what I have asked James, do you mind if I bring this peacemaker one home, or can I take the? <laughs> you know, oh boy, I would have been, I would have been all that. Um, so, so you know, it, it's a funny thing because you're in this role, and I got to tell you, I mean, I, I was reading your Twitter today. It's a great follow. Um, I'm not a big Twitter guy, but I do go there when I'm researching people's lives like yours. Um, the fan response has got to be overwhelming for you it truly is i'm i am just blown away um i mean i'm getting youtube comments and instagram follows and and twitter followers and people sending me messages and i am just so stunned but so grateful that the film and my character are getting this kind of support. It's just amazing. Yeah, and I hope this opens up more. I mean, not that you need it because you're, you've been really successful the last, you know, you mentioned 10 or 12 years, um, that, that this does open up more opportunities for you, right? This is only this can only be a, a super positive moving forward. I, I have to wonder, wonder sometimes at the magic of the universe because the timing on this and what's about to happen, which I can't talk a whole lot about, um, but I'm in another, I've already been cast and I've already filmed two episodes of another DC project. Um, and one of, one of the episodes that I filmed is going to be airing in the next couple of months. So I just think a back-to-back DC product where I'm playing a villainous character is a pretty miraculous thing. Well, I say, so, I say, I'd say many people are envious of your situation. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, you know, you know what I love about your, whether it's, you know, the suicide squad or, or another role uh, is that you show up with maybe, you know, there's some scenarios where you have zero to, you know, one line and you end up with like, Seven lines, eight lines, or you know, one day of shooting turns into two weeks. It's it's is it is it because maybe the director and whomever the writers get to know you a little bit and like you know something we could do we could do more with her than just give her no lines or give her three words. Do, do you find that that's the case? Do you think it's once people get to know you, Lynn, they're like, you know what, she's capable of so much more. I am not sure what it is, but I do know that I go into every project um, in my head. I'm, I'm trying to say, OK, I'm fun to work with. I'm a professional, you know, and I, I interact with people and I am totally appreciated. I'm not a I'm not a diva. I'm not, you know, in a bad mood. I'm genuinely happy to be there. And I think that when you're genuinely involved in the project and showing that you're just a person like everybody. I mean, I treat, you know, the, the background actors, I, I, a lot of them are, are, you know, Facebook friends and everything that I've worked with. Um, even though they're, they're told they're not supposed to even talk to the principal actors. I mean, that it's, it's just this weird thing that, but I always respond and talk to people and because we're all just people, we're all the same. Um, and I think it's just kind of that attitude of, the ensemble mentality. It's like, we're here to do a job and work as a group. So let's get ego out of the way and do the best job that we can do. And I I don't know, maybe that's it. Maybe I'm just BSing right now. I don't know. No, no, you're making, you're making a lot of sense. You know, and um, you certainly were my favorite part of suicide squad. And I think the people were going in the theater were going nuts when they saw you on screen. So (laughs) that, that, that's a good thing. Um, Have any of the actors that you had to, you know, mimic, whether it's on the dance floor or um, in, in the jungle, have any of them reached out? I know you and Dave talked a little bit, but you know, just to say, great job or is this just have you not had that opportunity yet uh the really the only one was was the bluebeard guy bluebeard dancer oh, okay um, and uh, see when i first arrived at the club set uh they were still filming with the principal actors so david was still there that was when i met him uh and then all the dancers were still there uh and but i my first costume was bluebeard because you know that was the one that's the longest to put on so um so when I arrived at the at the set, that's what I was wearing, and I, so I think we bonded a little bit like that. Hey, cool beard! And there's there's a picture somewhere 
of James Gunn with his arm around both of us. Um, I wish I knew where that picture was. I I wish that if if James has it, he would post it (laughs) because it's really cool. And speaking of of, of just, you know, really talented people, James Gunn certainly fits that mold. Boy, is he he a bit. And the way the movie shot, Lynn, like it's just it's so clever. It's got his fingerprints all over it. It's just awesome to watch. Uh, Like I said, I'm I'm a writer, too. So I am just blown away by his mind. I mean, his, his writing, um, his ability to have all of the details of these stories. I mean, this film, I mean, the characters like Ratcatcher and Polka Dot Man, they're such beautiful people that you fall in love with them and, and you really feel what they're feeling. Um, so it's not just, you know, badass badass villains you know going okay let's kill some people um but they're really real people and he finds that humanity within them you just stole the word he he, he does he's it's and i think the audience is related to the humanity part as well i think that's what makes him so such a wonderful director that's right. It's like even though they're they're super villains, they're also people, and they have hearts, and they have real emotion. And he brings all of that out and puts it together so beautifully. So, yeah, it's, yeah. it's pretty impressive. Uh, before I let you go, thank you for all this time. This has been such a fun conversation, Lynn. Um, uh, you do have a, a, a jewelry. I think you you do. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's a it's a hobby, something you do along with acting. Talk, say anything you want about that. Uh, yeah, I've always been a rock hound. I collected rocks when I was a kid and now I have a, I love to make, and and also I'm metal sensitive. So, uh, I have to have sterling silver or 14 year gold jewelry. And so as a result of those two things of my love of, of fun stones and my love of, of sterling, I started making my own jewelry like 30 years ago. And, uh, yeah, for the last 20 years or so, I've had a, I started a little shop on Etsy about five years ago or so, and I sell my jewelry. I, I have so many beads. I have a beadaholic and I have, it's, it's, it's really, un, it's, <laughs> I have a, I have a bead habit. I have a bad bead habit. I have too many, I have too many beads. I would never, if I did that full time for the rest of my life and lived 40 more years, I would never be able to use all the beads that I have. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Lynn, you are so much fun to talk to. I could not wish you more success down the road. I mean, I'm just so happy for you and you're such a kind person and I, and I hope you come back on down the road. Well, thank you very much, and I appreciate you having me and letting me ramble on, and uh, thank you. <laughs>